Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I just heard the words on it video announcement, laugh, cry, and I'm thinking, why, why would you cry? Sermon that bad? No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, we're so glad you're here. We are, we are postponing the men's breakfast, by the way. Let me say right up front that we're moving that to August uh, due to summer schedules and vacations and cooks and all that stuff. So just men, uh, sleep in. And your wife goes, ah, I was hoping he'd get out of here. Anyway, stand up. Hold your Bibles up high. I need to get everybody. It should be a Red Bull morning, shouldn't it? <laughs> Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to the greatest book in the Bible, the book of Mark, <laughs> chapter 9. Um, on Father's Day, I talked about uh, expect carefully. Now, I want to, right up front, help us with this because today's messages make us expectant. When I talk about expecting carefully, I'm talking about what you expect horizontally from other people. Um, I don't think we can ever expect too much from God. I don't think, our, I don't think we can exceed uh, in the area of expectations because he's always able to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine. So when I talk about God make us expectant, I'm talking about our relationship with Him, our relationship to the Word of God, our relationship to the promises of God. Um, I had a, a, a very precious friend who I would play golf with from time to time, uh, not that frequently, but I usually found time to play golf with him when I needed entertainment. He wasn't a horrible player, but it was the most, it was the most negative player I've ever played golf with in my life. And how many of you know you cannot be negative and play golf? It's hard to play it when you're positive. And so he would have a, you know, maybe on a par four, you know, he'd hit a good drive. You know, he couldn't hit it very far, but if it was in the fairway, that's, that's a good place. Then uh, there'd be a time that maybe he'd get up on the second shot, hit it onto the green. And, uh, and so he's, he's laying there, you know, I mean, he's, he's going to be putting for birdie. And and even if he got close to the cup, his uh, response was, well, I'm probably going to miss it. I mean, he would say it every time. Well, you know, I just can't ever get these. And we have to realize that what we say affects what we believe. What we believe affects what we do. And so it's very, very important to be honest and truthful with your words but to also realize that the promises of God are available to all of us. And we can expect God to make good on those promises. Now, there are other people in your world. Maybe you're expecting something from your, your spouse, your children, uh, your boss, your employer. You have expectations. And, 
and maybe those ought to be hopes. And, and those don't always line up or match up the way we'd like. But because of our horizontal relationships, we oftentimes don't transition into the vertical and separate the two. That's how come someone can be doing horribly here, but awesome here. Don't let what's happening here affect what is happening here. And that's how come some people are able to, to stay happy and, and positive uh, with God and the promises of God while losing their job, while, why, while they're losing their home or whatever it might be. You look and say, how can you be so happy when you're in, this, in the midst of this crisis? It's because they are expecting God to be in the middle of this crisis. And, and that's sometimes difficult to do because we have a tendency to put everything in the same category. And we compartmentalize those things into one compartment versus looking and going, you know, when Paul said, you know, I, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beat. I mean, he's going down the list. But Paul always had a positive spin on his life. So you may be going through something extremely difficult today. And, and actually, there have been people that I've done funerals for in their families, and, and their family didn't understand. They were Christians, and they were believers in, in Christ. And, and, and they, they considered the loss, not, not that it wasn't personally painful, but in the midst of that loss, they had a celebratory spirit because they knew that, that their uh, family member was in heaven with God and that as hard as this was, this made this tolerable. And so I want to, as I talk about make us expectant today, uh, I, it takes being able to separate maybe the difficulty, the crisis that you're in now. Uh, maybe it makes it difficult for you to expect something from God. But I want to speak to your expector today. And I want you to become expectant people. You lost your job, expect a better one. You lost your home. Expect a different and better one. You, you, you had a car wreck that was your favorite car. Expect a better one. Always realize that God will take those things that the devil meant for harm. He'll turn them for good. It's never the end as long as you're breathing. It's never over until you're walking on streets of gold and you will have forgotten what was over. It won't matter any longer. So... Mark chapter 9, verse 14, when they came to the other disciples, Jesus had been on the mountain with three, and it says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, so the man speaks up, Jesus speaking to the disciples, and the man says, let me tell you what we're arguing about here. This, there's always one in the crowd. I, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So now, as much as we, we see Jesus on the horizontal plane because he's physically on the earth at that time, uh, the disciples were actually the horizontal. Jesus, even though he was here, was the vertical. And the man says, I brought my son to your disciples 
to drive out the spirit, but they could not. So they had made a horizontal appeal. They had a, an expectation that because these guys were associated with Jesus, that they would drive out the spirit that was harming his son. It would have been easy for him to say, well, if you guys can't do it, and you're hanging out with Jesus, um, then this thing's over. But he immediately shifted his horizontal expectation to a vertical Savior. And he appeals to Jesus. He doesn't wait for the disciples to give an explanation as to what's going on here. He steps up and tells Jesus. Now he's, he's shifting his expectation, his appeal, from those that he thought initially could help him to the one who could absolutely help him. So sometimes we make an appeal to another believer, another follower of Christ, and, and because of our humanity, we find ourselves incapable of what's being expected of us. This is why when we, when we get older in Christ and we, we realize and we can be humble enough to say, I don't have an answer for you, so I'm going to point you vertically to Jesus. He'll give you the answer. He is the answer. And so Jesus then turns and addresses the crowd. He says, oh, unbelieving generation. You have to underline unbelieving. <laughs> He's going, wow, you, even my disciples didn't believe this was possible. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, interesting, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. In other words, the spirit is mocking or attempting to mock the Son of God. That spirit still exists in this world today. To mock the answers that we, uh, that we don't have, that only he has. They can't explain it. So Jesus is addressing this spirit, and the spirit mocks him by throwing the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, I mean, can you imagine? Just picture this for a moment. This kid's going crazy, and Jesus is like this. Now let me talk to you. Because Jesus is like, I don't need to get in a hurry here. I know what I'm going to do. Nothing can stop it. But I'm going to engage the Father because I want to address the unbelief. Jesus is using this crisis as a teaching moment. Every crisis that we confront or confronts us is an opportunity to turn it into a teaching moment. With all the distractions and the chaos, which is exactly what the devil wants to do in every life and relationship, is get us focused on the conflict or the chaos so that we can be distracted by the horizontal and miss the vertical. I don't know how many of you have been there. I've been there a million times. And I would venture to say that we will continue to face the distractions of conflict and chaos as they were experiencing in this moment to keep us from the will of God and doing the will of God and doing the right thing. So he goes on to say, from childhood, the father answered, it has often thrown him into fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' reply in verse 23, if you can. I mean, Jesus had a little edge and a little swag to him. Some, you know, the pictures of Jesus, Hollywood's picture of Jesus, like he was this nerd. 
I mean, I can see Jesus standing there going, yo. I mean, this is the New York Jesus. If you can, you talking to me? I mean, I'm just thinking, I always tried to bring a biblical story into modern times. What, what would this have been like? Jesus is standing there in some, like, lucky brand jeans and a G-Star shirt and going, really, if I can. Because he had just addressed this man, engaged him, and now the man, to his credit, at least is having a conversation vertically. And Jesus said everything, not some things, not a few things, everything is possible for him who believes. Now, please don't miss this, because the great argument against Jesus' involvement today in today's world is because things, when things don't play out the way we thought they should, a crisis happens, someone dies, somebody doesn't make it, we begin to lean on what didn't happen instead of what still can happen. I can't explain, I've been doing this for 40 years, I can't explain every funeral I've done, why it happened the way it happened, I can't do that. But that doesn't minimize this verse that everything is possible. It doesn't say probable. Everything is possible to him who believes. This is where, as charismatics, non-denominational people, we have to understand there are things we don't know or understand, and we never will. And we try to explain Jesus. I can't. But I'm not going to let what I don't know about him change what I do know about him, which is God so loved the world that he gave his only son that Jesus offered his life up on the cross for all of us. And that if he never did one thing for me, I owe him my life. So why would I not believe him and believe in him when he is the one who offered his life up for my sin? And here's what I would answer to that if I was going to be outside Christianity. Well, the, the, let me list all the things that have happened in my life and there's been no response to. But the greatest response that we will ever receive or have received is that Jesus gave his life for all the earth, for all sinners, past, present, and future. And so even in my worst of times, I have to believe everything is possible. And we cannot throw out the, this, this word, it's very dangerous, but I'm going to say it, sovereignty. Now, most denominations, when I grew up in, sovereignty meant we have no part in what God chooses to do. That's not what we're talking about here. We do have a part. We are called to walk in faith and be led by the Spirit. We're called to believe. At that point, once we have done everything we can do, that's when I believe the sovereignty of God makes the decision, and we have to be good with that. We're all going to be healed every time but one. Think about it. You're going to be healed every time except one, and then we go to be with Jesus. I mean, how many times have you been sick, and, I mean, throughout your life? I'm over 40. Okay, I'm over 50. Okay, I'm, I've been healed a lot of times. You say, well, it was only a tummy ache. Well, it was my tummy ache, and it hurt. And I'm okay today, okay? So I don't have it today. 
Do you see what I'm saying? We forget all the incredible times. You say, well, Jesus didn't do that. Tums did. Or Pepto-Bismol, whatever you want to call it. You say, well, that, that's what healed me. Who had the brains to come up with that? Thank you very little. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, make us expectant. What, is, what does it take to get to that? Number one, explore possibility, not just absolutes. All the wonderful things we see in the world, all the inventions, I mean from something as simple as the rubber band. Now, nobody goes around going, I am so thankful for rubber bands. And oh my gosh, what would I do without paper clips? Nobody does that. But we use them every day. Somebody thought, I'm tired of papers blowing away. What can I do? They explored possibilities. And they came up with something that helped change the chaos or conflict or difficulty in their life. Simply because they determined there's got to be a solution to my problem. They explored it. Now, how many of you know that they were probably criticized for doing so? You know that... Henry Ford was, you know that the Wright brothers were, oh come on, if men would have been meant to fly, he would have given us wings like he did birds. You know how many times I've heard that throughout my life, if, if somebody was meant to fly, and you know, because people have a fear of flying, and so they just, you know, there are all kinds of different things that we say, but the reality is most great inventions are the result of somebody daring to explore possibility. On this particular day, this father said, I'm not sure about this Jesus guy, but I've heard incredible things, and I think I'm going to explore the possibility that he might be interested in helping my son. Now, I've said this for years, ever since I've been preaching, and I was doing the math this morning. It's my 41st year of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I've said this before that many people, even church people, people who are Christians, have chosen to not believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That what he did in this moment, he can still do today. Now, it might not look the same. It's the difference maybe in... The Wizard of Oz when it first came out and what it looks like today, you know, in HD. It looks different, but you can see the same results in people's lives. When I think about this, I listen to Joel about every week, at least probably three or four times a week. And, and uh, when I think of him, and I've known Joel and his family for as long as I can remember, and they've been friends. And so when I hear the stories, I knew the backstory because I knew Dodie. I knew, went to school with, with Tamara and knew Joel before Joel was in front of the camera. <laughs> and, and I love him. But he tells a story of his mother that was diagnosed with metastatic, metastatic cancer of the, of the liver, I believe, or the breast cancer, whatever it was. Supposed to die. 
and she's alive today. Now, you can say whatever you want to say, and you can discount it. You can say it's a fluke. You can say modern medicine. It wasn't modern medicine when she was healed, folks. Let me tell you. Now, again, you can say, well, how come she was healed? We start playing, you know, miracle tennis, back and forth, back and forth. All I'm saying is, and I've said it for years, people don't believe in miracles until they need one. Many people don't. And you have to explore the possibilities. When I got born again, I had an injury uh, from playing football that I didn't know how bad it was. I just knew I couldn't raise my arm for a long time, did not want to have surgery. So I, I, just, I just did what you did in old school days. You just wrapped it up and you just did it. Well, I, little did I know the effect of that was that because of the harsh hit, now this is, I'm going to try to explain this so you, you, you'll get it. When I was about 20, I had, uh, my hands would go numb, my arms would go numb from the elbow down. I'd be driving, it freaked me out. How I many you know it freaked you out just during the day? It wasn't like I was sleeping on it, it was like I was just driving. So I went to a doctor and I said, you know, this is what's happening. They did an x-ray and they said, well, you have calcium deposits. And this is exact words, he knew nothing about my life. He said, you have calcium deposits developing on your spine, preventing blood flow uh, to your, your limbs, and uh, he said it happened as a result of a very hard hit. Well, I recall the hard hit immediately. It was the only hard hit I could remember, and he said, we're going to have to do surgery, and he said, and I said, well, what's that look like? And he said, well, we're going to cut you in the front of your neck, and we're going to scrape your spine. Now, how many of you know that's like saying we're going to poke you in the eye with a sharp stick without any anesthetic? And I went, well, uh, you know, I had just actually gotten born again. And I thought, now, wow, I, I don't really, how many you know, I don't really want to have surgery. And so I began to pray. And, and I wasn't necessarily praying out of faith as much as I was fear, but I thought I'll explore the possibility of, of this God handling this because I'd heard stories like that. And I explored that possibility. I've still not had surgery. Now, it, I, I, it really is one of those things you can say, well, you know, you can, you can say whatever you want. I'm just going to say it was really one of those processes where, honestly, God, in my heart, I felt like God said, if you'll raise your hands to me, I'll fix them. Now, you have to understand, I didn't raise my hands to God ever. I thought all you people were f weird. You know, I'm like, and so I started here. It was like, and, and I have this funky relationship with God. It's kind of fun. And I felt like God said, really, that's it? Well, you know, I, I'm doing it. And so, you know, so finally over time, I began to just abandon. It wasn't like lifting my hands was magic. It was like God saying, you know, Mark, just trust me, surrender to me, see what I can do. So I began to explore that possibility. So you, here's what I want to ask you. And this is what I had to ask myself. What do I believe? Why do I believe what I believe? And is what I believe accurate? These are three questions I would like for you to, to ask yourself whenever you're in a horizontal conflict that you can't seem to break through to a vertical God. What do I believe? Now, most people can answer that question real quick. You know, what do I Well, I believe Jesus is Lord, but I don't believe in miracles. Okay, I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm not judging anyone. That's not what this is about. But it is about elevating your expectations beyond where they are today. The second question is very important. Why do I believe what I believe? Well, my grandparents, my parents, uh, 
It's what I'm comfortable with. You see where I'm going with this? Because it's very, very important for us in life to know why we believe what we believe. I've gone through a metamorphosis in my Christian life. I've got to be honest with you. And, and I'm, it's, it's changed throughout the last 40-some years. And I would be totally different today than I was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And, and I, because I've asked myself the question, why do I believe that? Well, here's what I do believe now, that it's what Jesus did 2,000 years ago that responds to my condition today. It's not what I'm doing, how good I am, because this is how most people, the reason most people don't believe in miracles is not because they don't want to. They can't get beyond their own behavior and their own life. In other words, I don't deserve what God has for me. And you're right. That's what makes Christianity so wonderful. We don't deserve one thing, but he's a good God. And so we, we respond to God, not based on what Jesus did, but we respond vertically based on what we've done or not done or what we're doing or not doing. This is what prevents our vertical relationship from having intimacy and having the response that we desire is because we filter it all through our behavior. I have never been qualified a day in my life to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how come when people say, well, something you've done disqualifies you. Nothing can possibly disqualify me because I've never been qualified. You will never be disillusioned if you've never been illusioned. So what we have to realize is I could have filtered everything through my sin instead of filtering everything through his grace. My life will always be filtered through his grace. I wish I would never make another mistake in my life. And all my family wishes the same. And everybody who knows me. But I will. And you will. Our response to humanity is directly related to our relationship with God. If I have a wrong response to you, it's because I'm not having the vertical time with God that I need. What do I believe? Why do I believe what I believe? Is what I believe accurate? One person said hope is a projection of the imagination, but so is despair. Despair all too readily embraces the ills it foresees. Hope is an energy and arouses the mind to explore every possibility to combat the despair. That's how come Paul didn't say, you know, I strolled a good stroll. I walked a good walk. I, he said, I fought the good fight. Recently this week on our Mosaic Church post, I said, you know, fight the right fights. Life is short. We often, if not daily, fight the wrong fight. Secondly, major point here is not just explore possibilities, but eradicate destructive tendencies. Eradicate destructive tendencies. One destructive tendency is that we are more focused on the past than we are the future. 
We all have a tendency to do that. We all have a tendency to look at what we've done wrong or what we haven't done right. Don't rehearse past offenses and conflicts or they will make headlines as you play them out on the stage of life. Erase, eradicate. Cease referring to past hurts and comments when present problems arise. How many of you know most arguments never start from where they are and move forward? They start from where they are and move backwards. You're reminded of how stupid you've been for the last 20 years. And let me tell you, most people can't remember a phone number, but they can remember your mendacities, your sins, your mistakes. And they are quick to point them out when they get angry. It's our humanity. It's what we do. So if we can forget what someone has done, which is very difficult for all of us, or what we've done, or what's not been done, if we can forget that, then we can move forward in life. Refrain from destructive words, as I've already said. The words will create a belief system. The belief system will create your behavior. What you believe, you will begin to behave. Psalm 34, 19 says, A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from some of them. No, delivers him from them all. So in our troubles, you say, well, why do we still have so many troubles? It's not God's fault. It's because we are constantly living on a horizontal plane, but we have a vertical God. We have a relationship with heaven. And if we refuse to eradicate the horizontal issues and chaos and conflicts, then we will feel a separation. We will never be separated because he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but we will feel a separation from God, which makes us feel helpless. So how do I counter that? Don't speak poorly of yourself. You can blame everybody else, and we're really quick to get mad when somebody speaks poorly of us, when you speak more poorly of yourself than anybody else ever has or ever will. Amen. They talk bad about me. It's because you're talking bad about you. When you look in the mirror and you see a little bit of a belly, say, take that, Buddha. <laughs> you ain't the only one being blessed here. You say, but I, I want to lose it. Well, then lose it. But don't get mad at yourself. Don't talk bad about yourself. Secondly, don't speak poorly of others. Ask yourself the question, does what I say agree with what God says? Well, God says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm created in the image and likeness of God. You just, God just maybe didn't know there was going to be that much of us. But the horizontal is demanding. It's driving in traffic that's crazy. It's dealing with employers that seem to be unfair. It's dealing with other people. That's how come in my life what I've learned is this saying that I've kept with me forever, and I'll keep saying it to you. How are you doing? I'm richly blessed, highly favored, empowered to prosper, walking in divine health, going from victory to victory and glory to glory. But with you praying for me, I'm sure to get better. Amen. Now, on days, there are days I say that, that a person who didn't know Christ would say, you're a hypocrite because your life is in hell. 
And they'd say, well, but my my mind's not. (laughs) And my heart's not. My heart's in heaven. My mind's in heaven. My emotions are in heaven. And you can give it your best shot, but I'm never going to give up on God. And I'm never going to give up on what I believe. It doesn't mean life is perfect. It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean anybody else is perfect. What it does mean is I am going to lean on the promises of God. Lastly, expectation. Expect that all things are possible. Don't just explore possibilities. Don't just work to eradicate your past. But turn your expector on and begin to believe. One person said high achievement always takes place in the framework of high expectation. Believing you can is what will give you the drive to do what you will. It will give you the impetus to do the right thing and what you will to do. We should base our expectations on our faith, not someone else's. Your mom and daddy might have wanted you to be one thing. You wanted to be something else. I don't know how many of you, you know, parents often say, well, I've got my kids best in mind and heart. Do you really? I told all of my kids, I want you to be what you want to be and do what makes you happy. Now, I wish one of them would have been a doctor and they could have funded my life, the rest of my life, and built a house out back behind their house. Wouldn't that have been just glorious, you know? Well, he makes enough money. I ain't got nothing to worry about. Put a pool in. Give me a father-in-law. I don't know why they call them mother-in-law quarters. Have you ever noticed that? It's like they, call, they don't call them father-in-law quarters. They call them mother-in-law quarters. What, are you expecting mama to live longer than me? Not on your life. <laughs> I never had that thought before. I'm going to have to process that one this week. We can expect based on what we know and what we sow. You can expect based on what you know and what you sow. If you know the Bible and you know the promises of God, then you can expect those to happen. When you sow, you can expect to grow out of what you've sown. Whatever a man sows, Bible says he'll also reap. So what I know about God and what I sow are the things that will release that expectation. When I give, the Bible says it'll be given back, good measure, pressed down, shake it together and running over. When I tithe, it says he'll open the windows of heaven. I know and I sow. When I forgive, the Bible says if you forgive, you'll be forgiven. The reason I expect to be forgiven is because I forgive and because he forgave me. I have an expectation. Those are not difficult. Would you agree? I mean, those are not difficult. But what's difficult for a lot of people is is they have a difficult time believing, for instance, that if you give, it won't be given. That's that's probably the biggest battle in Christianity. But we we have no trouble. Now, I shouldn't say no trouble. We do have people say, how could God forgive me? I've done so many things wrong. How could I possibly be forgiven? Because he's a good God. Our expectancy should be based on our faith in the I wills of the Bible. I will pour out my spirit. I'll meet all your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So we have the I wills. I will open the windows of heaven. Every man, woman, and child lives by faith. The non-believer as well as the saint. The one by faith in natural laws. That's the non-believer. 
The believer by faith in God. Everybody has faith. As a matter of fact, you would not be here this morning without faith that you, when you got up this morning that your boat would start. I mean your car. You're here because you put the key in the ignition and when you turned it, what you were saying is, my car is going to start. That's a natural law. It has a battery. It's been wired and assembled to operate. Now, sometimes it doesn't, but, but there's not a time that we don't get in the You never go get in the car. You know it doesn't have a battery, and you never go get in the car and go, I'm hoping it'll start. You go because the natural law says if the car has a good battery and the engine has fuel and the engines operate, it's going to start. And even unbelievers have the same success as starting cars as the believer. Now, some hyper-charismatics would say, no, I've started mine without a battery before. Then come and show me how. <laughs> Expectancy is the hope and action that things can change. I want us this week and the rest of our lives, but to focus on asking yourself the question, what do I expect? And when you do, write it down, because here's why. There's a very good chance that what you're expecting negatively can happen just as well as what you're expecting positively. What are you believing for? You expecting to lose your job? Okay. You want us to get in agreement with you? We have no clue how powerful what we think and what we say contributes to what we experience and what we don't. Start expecting. Don't let the horizontal dominate your life. Shift to the vertical and say, God, everything around me is in chaos. Everything looks horrible. Nothing looks favorable. But God, I'm not looking at what's around me. I'm looking to who is in me. And I'm looking to heaven to believe that it will come true. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you gave us so many promises. Lord, I thank you that the Bible is not just a history book to prove that there was a God and that there was a Son of God. But the Bible is a promise book promising that the past, present, and future are taken care of, including this generation and this dispensation. So, God, we have great expectations, not in our employer, not in our possessions, not in our wealth. We have great faith, God, in you. You see what we don't see. You know what we don't know. You can do what we can't do. So, Lord, we put our faith and confidence in you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there are those of you that... Maybe you're not a believer. And that's been a challenge for you. You don't expect to go to heaven. You don't expect any good thing. You're not expecting life to go well for you. You're not expecting God to fix your issues and your problems. Because it all starts with first believing that Jesus died for you. And he took your sin. And that you're not an accident. That you are created in the image and likeness of God. And that your steps are ordered by him. And yes, sometimes we question 
the step that we took yesterday or last week. And yet, God's not caught off guard. The devil comes to get you off guard and move you off course. He comes, the Bible says, to steal, kill, and destroy. Don't give him permission today. Say yes to Jesus. I want to pray a prayer, and I want to ask all of you to pray this with me. And those of you who have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, that's what you're doing in this prayer, and we're going to stand with you. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. I call on your name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.